Hello and welcome. My name is Tim. And I'm Herfy Durfee. And this is a special episode of Go Mode, a Link to the Past Randomizer podcast. As you can tell, we're down one co-host. Axe is uh, doing some more wedding prep stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, we wish him the best. We're, we're still in close communication with him behind the scenes. But uh, we wanted to uh, still be able to get together and uh, talk with you a little bit. We've got some some stuff to, to get to. Um, so, Herf, uh, thank you so much for joining me. I know you're also quite busy these days getting ready for your international flight. Is that right? Oh, yeah, man. It's uh, It's been kind of a crazy last weekend and, I guess, week now, even though it's only Monday as we're recording this right now. Uh, yeah, lots of prep work, lots of getting ready and getting everything in order. Have you done many international flights before? Uh, a couple. Not too many, but I've been to the U.S. a total of four times i want to say three times maybe mm. so, so you've done you you've hopped the pond a few times as they say i i've had experiences though my last flight has been let me think i think 2014 was my last okay. visit to the u.s and also my last real like international longer flight i guess with living in yeah. europe you know it's a little easier to just drive for a couple hours and suddenly you're in a new country yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm super jealous of you guys for that. We have to fly a few states over in some places if we if we want to get somewhere quick. So, mm-hmm. yeah, cool. But you, so you're you're flying out uh, in in just a couple days, and you're going to Speed Gaming Live 2019. I will see you there, dude. Yeah, it's gonna be crazy. <laughs> crazy. All the people I've been like yesterday. I kind of went through my mental list of at least the people that I know will be there. Where I'm like, oh, geez, I can't believe I'm meeting these people. I know. Yeah, I know it's, it's insane. It's, uh, it's going to be pretty crazy. I know I'm getting so jazzed. Uh, so we're recording this on the 21st, uh, Monday the 21st, and uh, Herf and I will both be getting there at various times on Wednesday in just a couple of days. So in about 72 hours, we will be talking face to face, which is just so wild. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, in terms of news this time, oh let let me first explain. So I I want I'm, we're kind of calling this one a bonus episode because we're sort of in a little bit of a flux right now. Uh, with this live event coming up, we want to be able to release an episode right afterwards uh, so we can talk about everything. Got a lot of great content planned for you for that, including that live episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so so we, we, uh, we'll be working on that. Um, but the way that Axe's wedding works out and kind of things work out going forward from there, we're actually going to be switching our every other weekendness. So this episode <laughs> is coming out uh, regularly, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we knew we wanted to do an episode next week. Uh, but we didn't want to make you wait three weeks for an episode, basically. So you're kind of getting some double duty with this shorter bonus episode where we're down a co-host. And then next week, you'll get a full episode. And then two weeks from then, you'll continue. You'll get another episode and you'll continue to get them from there until we have to switch back for some other reason, I'm sure. Um, so uh, it was either wait three weeks um, and give you the SG Live episode next week or give you a little bonus. And, uh, I mean, you know us. We love to spoil you. Mm-hmm. So this one is a bonus episode. Very excited for you to hear uh, the interview that I had a chance to conduct with P-Train uh, or P-Train 24, as you sometimes see around on the Internet, um, talking to us about hovering, uh, demystifying it a bit. So really looking forward to getting you into that, which... 
I think we can do pretty soon here because Herf, um, I don't know about you, but I, I have not heard of a whole lot of news or community updates over the last couple of weeks. Do you have anything? No, not really. I mean, there's not a whole lot to talk about. We covered most of the stuff that there was to cover. I don't think anything super crazy new came up in the last couple of days. Uh, yeah, yeah, not not a whole lot of news going on. I think uh, everyone that is going at least is preparing for SG Life, and uh, it's been a little mellowed. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, there's been a lot of documents released about Speed Gaming Live, specifics of how the tournaments will be <coughs> conducted. Uh, you know, if you want to find that, I'll absolutely link it in the description. But it's honestly kind of boring, detail type stuff. What's not going to be boring are the matches that come out of that and the stories that develop at the event, um, but all the setup stuff. I mean, you know, it's it's not great radio, so we'll link that. You can check it out if you want. Um, the fall tournament, uh, first fall of fire, starts, I think, November 2nd, right? Uh, I think it's the 3rd. 3rd, right. Sorry, November 3rd. So, yeah, we're just kind of in between on a lot of things. So, um, kind of, you know, another reason this is sort of a bonus episode. We're, we're kind of skipping our news because we don't have a whole lot to talk about. So, with that... Let me go ahead and pick this rock up, and um, I'm going to jump into the interview zone. Herf, you wait right here. I will be right back. Give me like 30 minutes. All right. I'll be right back. Sounds good. All right. All right. Just a second. Joining us now is friend of the show, uh, Go Mode uh, Tournament Mentor, uh, and uh, friend of mine, P-Train. P-Train, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for asking. Absolutely. Yeah. So, P-Train, uh, really glad to have you on today. And the reason that we have you on the show is to talk a little bit about uh, the boogeyman of glitches in ALTTPR hovering. Really gets a bad rap for a lot of reasons we will absolutely get into. But before we do, would you mind kind of setting us up, telling us a little bit about your history with Rando, um, just your general background, if you would. Yes, so my introduction to Rando was during Awesome Games Done Quick back in 2018, where Andy raced Christos in a swordless randomizer. Uh, that was the first time I had ever seen randomizer, and I love Link to the Past as a kid. So to see the game played in this way, just to me, was amazing. Um, so I picked it up, started doing a, a few seeds casually, um, didn't finish a whole lot. But I would race until, like, I got to, I would run the seed until I got to go mode and then, like, move on to a new one. So I kind of got practiced that way. And my mm. first ever race was actually in the 2018 Swiss tourney. And oh, wow. since then, I've been hooked. Uh, I've, been, I've recently, or I eventually got into the nightly races. And from there, it's just, it's just one of my. It's my hobby, basically. It's what I do every evening. I have spare time. Uh, I really enjoy it. Yeah. So, uh, P-Train, as of the recording of this episode, which is October 20th, um, on uh, SRLs, ranked number 37. So, um, like so many of the guests that we have on, absolutely uh, phenomenal when it comes to randomizer, both in execution and routing and um, just so much more. Uh, P-Train is someone who stops by our Discord uh, regularly and espouses some, you know, incredible knowledge, really well thought out sort of things. So um, always someone we had kind of looked at to have on the show, but also a perfect candidate to come in and talk to us about hovering. Um, because actually almost a year ago today, I think it was like October 15th, 2018 is, is what it says on YouTube. Um, P-Train released a video um, 
It's the perfect length of time. It's about 13 minutes. We will, of course, link that in the, in the description. I highly recommend checking that out. Um, that is just kind of a quick walkthrough of how to hover. It does a really good job sort of explaining all of that. Um, and in a lot of ways, that video is, is really probably the, your best chance at you know, watching that and then spending some time trying to practice it. But uh, given that this is a podcast and you might not be in a situation where you can watch a video right now, um, we're going to try to sort of walk you through hovering. Uh, and of course, by we, I, I mainly mean I'm going to ask a lot of questions and P-Train is going to tell you a lot of the information. <laughs> So, uh, P-Train, let's start off by, um, you know, here on Go Mode, we, we like to kind of give the whole story as much as we can. So let's let's really back up a lot. Um, and can you just kind of briefly explain, like, what hovering is, like, what constitutes hovering and why someone might do it? Yes. So hovering, um, whenever you press the boot or when you press the A button on your controller and you have the boots, Link runs in place before he dashes, right? That dash takes 30 frames to charge. While you're charging, and I don't really know the, the technical explanation behind this, but for whatever reason, while you're charging the dash, the game does not register whether or not you're over a hole or not. Um, and I think it takes two frames to really check what Link is standing on. So what hovering is, is you hold the A button for, 30 frame, or for 29 frames or less, you release it for one frame, and then you re-grab the A button. So on paper, you're doing, to, to hover properly, you're doing at least two frame-perfect tricks per second. Um, that's what it is on paper. It sounds really difficult, but in reality, it's just, it's a, there's a rhythm to it. And if you find the rhythm and you kind of understand the mechanics behind it, it's really not that difficult of a trick to execute. It's very wow. finicky, but it's not that difficult. You know, I had no idea the window was was that tight. I knew it was hard. Everyone talks about how difficult this glitch is, but when you're right, when you say that, it sounds like something that people shouldn't be doing, and yet many people can. So, um, so uh, you know, it's you say that it's it's a rhythm thing, and we'll get into the execution. I think that we'll kind of probably end our conversation there. Let's talk about, so so hovering allows you to go over certain gaps in this game. Um, so it essentially sort of el eliminates the need for a hook shot in a few places. Can you outline kind of the key areas that one might want to bust out a hover if one knows how to do it? So probably, the, I mean, the most obvious scenario would be Moldorm 2 without a hook shot. Um, and in mm -hmm. some case, Moldorm 2, even with a hook shot, if you can hover successfully, it does save time. Um, you don't have to kill Moldorm. You do miss out on the item. So if you're if you're on Master Sword, you don't have silvers. Maybe it's in your best interest to kill Moldorm, um, in hopes mm -hmm. of getting something out of that chest. Uh, probably the second most obvious would be Hookshot Cave. Um, there there are a total of three items you could get there in addition to the bonkable chest if you can hover. Um, aside from that, uh, Godmire, you can hover from one bridge to the other. That's a that's a useful one if you can do that successfully. Oh. Yeah. So you have to pick up the big key in that first kind of bridge room chest. Uh, even though you're skipping the first big key door, uh, there is one right before you get to Vitreous. So you, you do have to have the big key. But if you do, you can skip having to go back down and go pick up, you know, uh, another key and, and all of that. So um, you're able to save. I don't know. How much time would you say that saves if you're able to do that? How much time does the hover save over having to walk around? Yeah. In, in Meyer. I would say maybe generously 
somewhere around 20 seconds. I've actually never timed it. Um, yeah. But I'd say prob I would be surprised if it's more than 20 seconds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's a big risk um, to, to do that. These other ones, I think, are, are willing or they're more likely to save you a lot more time in lieu of being able to sequence break, not having the hook shot, which is kind of the main thing that, um, you know, I, I to me, I think the main benefit of the hover is that it supplants the need to find the hook shot in certain situations, much in the same way that learning a dark room kind of supplants the need to find the uh, the lamp. Yeah, um, honestly, to me, one of the biggest advantages to hovering is confidence in Dark Death Mountain without a hookshot. Because mm. if you can't hover and you go up to Dark Death Mountain without a hookshot, you're you're almost guaranteed to orphan three items up there. But if you can hover consistently, you know that you can go up to Dark Death Mountain and clear it, except for maybe Turtle Rock. Mm -hmm. So so that, to me, is like one of the bigger advantages of hovering them. And it's not always guaranteed to be a free time save, so... You know, you do have to use wisdom with hovering. Just because you can doesn't always mean you should. And you know what? That's the hardest thing about, like, learning a bomb jump or I would imagine learning something as difficult as hovering. The thing about uh, learning something that difficult is just because you've learned it now, you feel like you want to use it all the time. But like you say, there's a wisdom to knowing when it's time to use it and when it's not. But the fact of the matter is you have to know how first. Um, and just think of how impressive it will be when you do find that one situation where it's perfect and then you just bust it out and you knew how to do it. So just it, it's all about the long game. So just hang on to these this information when you get it. Um, uh, other times you can hover. Uh, what the other only other thing I could kind of think of was basically anywhere that there's a bomb jump. Um, in your video, you actually show us uh, on the first try, which is very impressive, um, sort of a diagonal hover around the Ice Palace bomb jump. Um, so it's like something you could do, maybe if you were playing one hit KO and you couldn't take the hit from a bomb. Um, but as you say in the video, not really advisable given how difficult it is to hover and um, how much easier it is to bomb jump in, in a lot of those situations. Yeah, the, the bomb jump is almost guaranteed. I think I, I heard somebody in the in the NMG Discord say that there is a hovering setup that if you damage boost off the fire bar or something like that, it ends up being faster than the bomb jump that everybody uses today. But 99.9% .9 of the time, the bomb jump is going to be faster than the hover. And then you have other useless hovers, like uh, the Spectacle Rock bomb jump. Um, that mm -hmm. hover doesn't really save you a whole lot of time. Um, and the bomb jump is way safer than having to hover. Um, I, I will never hover to that item, because if you fall the cost of having to reset and walk all the way back up the mountain isn't worth the time you save doing the hover. Um, I will occasionally hover away from the item, like coming back out. Uh, but even mm. then, the bomb jump is just, it, it's safer. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so as someone uh, who does know how to hover and, and can just kind of bust it out when the time is necessary, you know, when, when the situation calls for it, Let's let's talk about what those situations are. You know, when when is can you kind of paint a picture for us, or maybe a couple scenarios where you can identify some you know a situation where you would bust out a hover? Sure, absolutely. Um, to, I think today's daily is a, a wonderful example, right? Mm, so, I, I was restreamed on today's daily, and I cleared Turtle Rock. When I cleared Turtle Rock, I was potentially a Meyer Medallion from Go Mode. I got the flute in Turtle Rock, so there was no way to know what the Meyer Medallion was prior to that. I had Quake on. And I was a hookshot from Go Mode because Swamp was a crystal. 
So after clearing Turtle Rock, I'm the hookshot and Meyer Medallion from Go Mode, and I haven't touched Hookshot Gate. I did Turtle Rock hoping I might find Hookshot in Turtle Rock. Because even mm-hmm. though I can hover, it's faster to clear it with the Hookshot. Mm-hmm. So I told myself, there, there's a good chance. There's a 33.333 ad infinitum. There's, there's a 33% chance that I have the Meyer Medallion in my inventory, which means mm-hmm. I'm a Hookshot from Go Mode. I do. Yeah. I really want to spend time hovering Hookshot Cave if Hookshot is potentially my Go Mode item. So I told myself I'm going to try it once, and if it works, great. If it doesn't, then oh well. You know, I'm just going to leave and hope that Hookshot's my Go Mode item. Mm-hmm. I got two chests successfully, and then I gave the last chest in Hookshot Cave, I think two or three tries, and I ended up leaving it. You'll never guess where the Meyer Medallion was. Oh no! Was it in there? It was in that chest. Oh man! So, so the one <laughs> item I left in Hookshot Cave just happened to be the the item that would end up being my go mode. Oh no! Uh, and, and, and you hovered over there on the restream. Oh man, I hate that for you. <laughs> yeah. So, and the commentators asked me, they're like, "Oh, how do you feel about that?" And I was like, "Honestly, mathematically, I'm comfortable with that. I feel like it was the proper mm. call. Um, mm. Give it a try. If you don't waste too much time, you know, if I have to waste more than a minute or two." And hookshot ends up being my go mode. I'm losing that time relative to everybody else. Um, but if you're learning how to hover and you get like even part ways over a hole, you know, even if you can't do like the whole Moldorm two hover, if you're like mm-hmm. barely getting off a ledge, uh, if you're checking mm-hmm. hookshot cave anyways, give it one try. You know, it, it's mm-hmm. worth the try to. It's worth the time to give it one try, in my opinion. And if you fall, you just walk out of the cave. You know, no harm done. True. Uh, yeah, it warps you back to the entrance. Um, and it also gives you practice. You know, if you try to do it every time, you're you're getting a tiny little bit of practice in it. And practice under pressure sometimes, too, can is a whole, whole different kind of practice that's worth getting. Um, okay, so so that's a good example. Um, I hate that that didn't work out for you, but it, it would have, you know, from, from your explanation. Um, generally, kind of one thing that really stands out to me that is a, a huge advantage of someone who knows how to hover is any time that a pendant swamp comes up. Um, which sort of leads us into another thing I wanted to ask you about. Um, being able to hover sort of replaces the need for hookshot in a few places, but not everywhere. What are some of the places that you still do need to have a hookshot and hovering won't help you? Yeah, so if Swamp is a crystal, you you have to, you absolutely have to find that hookshot, which was what was so ironic about today's daily, the, the thing that I was talking about earlier. Hookshot ended mm-hmm. up being my go mode. Um, or one of the go mode items. So uh, you absolutely is, need it for a pendant swamp. Yeah, and what is the reason for that? Why, why can't you hover across, you know, in that main swamp palace room? Why wouldn't a hover work there? So north of the big chest, there are two pots that you have to use to hookshot across that gap. And there is no sequence break that is allowable using the NMG rule set, the no major glitches rule set that allows you to cross that gap without a hookshot. There, there's, it's impossible to hover that gap because there's a ledge that like, jumps off of and hovering mm. won't get you across that glitch or won't get you across the gap. Yeah. Yeah. So, so anytime that Link would jump, that's not something that you can launch a hover off of. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's important to know. And, and for that reason, a pendant swamp means, okay, well, hookshot, the, the only dungeon that requires hookshot to beat it is swamp. So if swamp is a pendant, then that means that you could potentially get your way all the way up to Gannett's Tower and beyond without the hookshot and hover that final gap. Um, 
So a pendant swamp should definitely be kind of, you know, if you know how to hover, you're, you you want to see that. Um, in fact, there was a fire that we covered last year where Andy beat everybody by like 8 to 10 minutes because he knew how to hover. And swamp or uh, hookshot was pretty much everybody's go mode item. So perfect example of a time when hovering, you know, having that tool in your back pocket can can give you a win. So, um all right, so let, let's talk briefly, before we get into kind of describing how, how to pull this off, um, this is something I, I really hope to talk to with Herf and Axe about this, because I'm sure they both have very strong opinions, but I'm very interested to hear your opinion on this. People seem to really hate on hovering. Um, it's like always sort of joked about. Um, it gets kind of a, uh, it's like just so easy to, be like, oh, you can hover, oh, la-di-da, like, look at this guy, you know? Um, is Do you think people are just doing that because they're, like, jealous that they can't do it? Because that's kind of my takeaway. Why do you think hovering gets such a bad rap in the community? Uh, it's hard to interpret what people are feeling or what people are thinking. Um, sure. I, I would like to think it's not jealousy, but at the same time, not to say it's jealousy, I could understand, you know, let's say that you're an excellent runner, but you don't know how to hover. You know, and I'm not saying that, oh, you must hover to, to be a good runner. But mm -hmm. let's say that you have the entire toolbox to your to your leisure, except mm -hmm. for the ability to hover. So you're running a seed, you execute the crap out of it, you route like a genius, except that hookshot is on pendant helmosword. You know, and there's nothing else in pendant pod and that ends up being the reason why you lose and you're racing people that you believe to be you know and i'm not saying you know rando's rando so even if you're on average a better runner than somebody else um that you know rando will be rando and sometimes you're going to lose those races and that's just the way randomizer is but let's say mm -hmm. that there's somebody who you generally consider yourself to be superior to or that you you know you routed superior to them but because they're able to hover, it redeems their entire performance that otherwise would have been substandard to your own. Um, I can understand why that would be frustrating, you know, because it feels mm -hmm. like you're losing to a parlor trick rather than to superior routing and to superior execution. Yeah. And, and what I suppose there is that people are just mad because they can't do it. And that's my personal feeling, but I we probably should also mention that there are people who legitimately believe that, you know, for more kind of semantic reasons that, that hovering shouldn't be allowed, that it's essentially sort of, you know, kind of teeters on that major glitch kind of classification. In fact, the Racing Council did... Uh, release a ruling about hovering recently as we covered a couple episodes back saying that it's okay and, and there were some people that were um, I guess disappointed to to hear that news they wanted to hear a more kind of stern ruling against hovering uh, but as I recall from that memo the the general consensus was you know it's it's not really bothering too many people but but it is some so um do you do you have any sort of thoughts on that in terms of the classification of hovering? I mean, does it does it sort of teeter on unfair to you in that regard? I, I have different philosophies. I think there's a couple of things behind this. So I have kind of a different philosophy when it comes to what should or shouldn't be in rando. Um, mm -hmm. For the most part, I trust the racing council and I trust the decisions they make. If they had banned hovering, I would have said, okay. This is what randomizer is now. You know, I mean, I like hovering. I want it to be, I think it should be legal. Um, but if they decided to ban it, okay, 
that's now the, the randomizer that I want to play. What do I have to do now to shore up my gaps? You know, like, let's look at the, the pool of competition. What do I have to do now to keep myself competitive amongst the others? Is there new tech I need to learn? Are there maybe there are new betas I need to consider? You know, what do I need to do to keep myself competitive? So even as hovering is, you know, hovering has been allowed this whole time. My thought was, what can I do to make myself competitive among hoverers? And my response was to learn how to hover. Um, so for me, like, that's kind of how I see it. Um, with regards to the hate that hovering gets, I do think there's a disconnect between those that can hover versus those that cannot hover. Uh, in mm-hmm. my opinion, it's not a difficult trick. Like I tell people, I'm not, I'm not anybody special. You know, I'm I'm very average at the game. You know, I have a decent NFG time, but there are plenty of people out there who are better than me. There are plenty of people out there who are worse than me. I don't consider myself, you know, a super excellent NFG. I don't I don't think I'm doing anything that anybody else could not do. Um, but when you look at hovering, except like, for maybe hovering. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you look at it, it's like people look at it as like, oh man, it's such a difficult skill. Uh, and I don't think it is, but it has a knack. So for me, like trying to explain hovering is difficult, right? Because everybody's mm-hmm. going to hover different. Uh, there are different variables in terms of how you control the, how you hold the controller, how you move your fingers across the A button. Like all of that's going to be different for each individual. So I feel like when you're trying to explain it, it's like trying to define what left is, but you can't use the word right. Or it's trying <laughs> to describe like what water tastes like. You know, if there are two people in the same room who have both experienced using the word left and who have both experienced, you know, what water is, you know, they're going to be looking at each other like, oh, yeah, you're exactly right. But if you have someone who's never experienced the word left and you're trying to explain it or they never tasted water before and you're trying to explain it, they're going to be looking at you like it's crazy, like you're crazy. So Uh, walk us through walk us through how you learned how to hover. Um. For me, I, I tried, I mean, literally what it was, it was me holding the controller like I know you're supposed to hold the controller and just spazzing out over the A button. And mm-hmm. honestly, what clicked for me was I, I was talking about hovering with Bonta and he made the comment that it's not as fast as you can go. There, There's a rhythm to it. It's not, you don't just press the A button as fast as you can. There's a rhythm to it. If you get the rhythm you can hover successfully. So then I started testing out, you know, let's, let's try to slow down a rhythm. Maybe let's not move my hand as fast as I can over the A, but let's play with some of the other variables. Like, you know, I use two fingers to to hover. Um, Let's adjust the gap in between those two fingers. Um, Let's maybe adjust what part of the A button I'm hitting. And then after that, I was finally able to calibrate, you know, over time, I learned what worked for me, and this is comfortable, and I feel like this is something I can recreate. And then just over time, I started practicing, and then next thing I knew, I, I could hover. Yeah. So as I mentioned before, P-Train has this really awesome, very concise, less than 15-minute long video um, where there's a shot of the controller and of the screen, and you can see the exact motion. So I definitely recommend watching that. But Again, since we are on a podcast, this is probably a good time to, I know this is not the easiest thing to do, but if you can kind of try to describe, you know, what you do with your hands, how you hold the controller, kind of give us a visualization of how you pull this off. Yes. Um, And I actually, I have a video I made that might be a little bit more concise than the YouTube video that I would be willing to share. 
Um, Absolutely. I, I think people yeah. might find that one because I, over time, you know, I've invested more in my streaming setup. I have a better mm. camera, so okay. it'll just look better. Good, um, yeah. In the in the video that I saw, the the only thing that was that makes it kind of difficult is the camera kind of just turn your hands, it turns your hand into a blur. Yeah, um, it's it's hard to see the exact speed. So that's great. We'll definitely link that up if you send that over to me. Awesome. So what I do for hovering, uh, first I rotate the controller, so almost like I'm holding a TV remote in my hands, where my thumb is operating the directional pad, and the buttons, the Y B X A button are facing towards my stomach. Um, I brace my left hand on my leg to keep the controller from moving because you want to do everything you can to limit how many variables you're working with, and the controller position is one of those variables. Um, I use my fingernails, so I bend my fingers back, um, and I use my fingernails to drag across the A button. Like, if you imagine, like, if you had two really tiny... If you've ever, like, played... I, I used to do this on Metal Gear Solid, um, when you're playing the difficult settings and you have to press a button to breathe, uh, sometimes mm -hmm. I would just grab a spoon and just go to town on the button, you know, just dragging the spoon <laughs> back and forth across. Um, to me, that's what you want to do with your back of your fingernails. You're basically using them like that so you can bring, you can drag your fingers over the edge of the button um, without having too much friction. If you use your fingertips, you're going to blister your hand, they're going to get really sore, um, and really hovering should not cause any pain to your person. Um, mm -hmm. so with that, I have my fingers, I usually do like the top half of the button. So my fingers are just below the B and the X button. And I just start dragging them over the A button. And that's how I hover, um, without getting into, without actually trying to describe, you know, oh yeah, I move my finger at, you know, 30 mm -hmm. rotations per speed. second, you know? Yeah. Now, is, have you ever tried to like put it to a song maybe? So not necessarily. But um, I did – are you familiar with the East Death Mountain hover that's come out recently? Uh, no, I'm not. So this is – actually, Ninban did this, I think, at the first SG Live qualifier. Um, if you have a fairy, you can do a – basically like a, bus, a bomb jump where you throw the, the bridge that you would hook shot across. You throw mm -hmm. a bomb as you jump down off the bridge, and the bomb kills you in midair. If you have a fairy, the fairy will revive you in midair. And if you, I mean, it's a little bit more difficult than an actual hover. Um, you have to hit the A button on the very first frame that Link responds. Oh, wow. um, when Link responds, if you hit the A button on that first frame, it's just a regular hover to the other side of the bridge. Um, so I wanted to do a little bit of math because I wanted to figure out, like, what are the odds of me actually getting this hover? So what I did was I opened up BizHawk and went into Task Studio, which is what um, anybody who does tool-assisted speedruns, it's one of the, the programs they can use to do this. Uh, mm -hmm. So what I did was I actually put my controller into Task Studio, which means it records every frame and what input I'm putting on the controller. Um, so what I mm -hmm. found out was that when I hover, I hold the A button for like an average of nine frames in between hovers. So if you look at the stats on what are the odds of me hitting the A button on that one frame, uh, for me it was an 11% chance to get that hover. Like a one in nine kind of thing. Yeah. So um, that, that's, <laughs> one of the, that's one of the cooler projects I've ever done with hovering. Yeah. Um, I've done things with like metronomes and trying to figure that out, but yeah. I was never able to get success. Because really it's more of a feeling rather than, you know, mentally going one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. You know, mm -hmm. it's really more about how it feels. 
Do you, so from the time that you were like, okay, I'm going to try to learn how to hover to the time you were like, okay, I feel comfortable maybe busting this out in a race. How, how long was that time period? Honestly, I don't think it was that long. Um, mm -hmm. For me, and I know people have said different things. Like some people have said, you know, how can you hover? It's hurting my wrist. It's hurting my arms. Um, for whatever reason, I never dealt with that. Um, I'm an amateur pianist. Uh, I mm. studied saxophone in college. So like my, my hands are used to, you know, I guess fine movements. Mm -hmm. So for whatever reason, whenever I was learning how to hover, I never experienced wrist pain. I never experienced arm pain. So when I've got my first hover, like I was hungry. <laughs> I, I was practicing <laughs> yeah. that every night uh, before every race. Um, yeah. For, and what I tell people, like if, if you if you're even close to hovering, um, what I what I generally recommend is if you're doing a nightly or you're doing any kind of a casual race, um, load up the practice hack before the race, and practice until you feel the first sign of stress in your wrist or your arm. The moment you feel the first sign of stress, stop, and then do mm -hmm. whatever you were doing, and then run the race. Uh, if you feel so inclined. Do the same thing after the race. You know, once you've seen your collection rate, you've done your dot comment, uh, load up the practice hack and practice again until you feel the first sign of stress and then stop. And then over time, you're getting measured practice. You're you're not overexerting your wrist. Um, and then hopefully you're able to develop some form of consistency through that. Uh, that eventually leads to something that you're confident enough to try during a race. Hmm. That's, I mean, that's really good advice. Any, any, anyone who's practicing on a regular basis is going to get better at something. And, and what better thing to practice than hovering? I, I have this dream that like all the, all of the people that listen to go mode will like, you know, sternly nod their head and then boot up their practice ROM and, and all of us are just going to learn how to hover <laughs> and the entire community will fear us. Uh, they will fear the, the pendant swamp masters um, who all know how to hover. Um, that's my dream. So um, so just to wrap up, there's one more thing I, I wanted to mention here, and uh, maybe this is nothing, but I just think it's so fascinating. So essentially with this trick, like you, you need to be on the controller for a certain amount of time versus, you know, or on the button versus off the button. And so you would think the way to do that would be to press it up and down. But essentially what you're doing with this kind of scraping technique is instead of applying the pressure up and down to know when, you're just making all of the pressure uh, horizontal across the controller and by making that a repetitive rapid motion it, it, it kind of automates the time on the controller versus off the controller so you're not having to essentially guess it by pressing it it's it's just like you know getting the exact speed down like you say once you know the exact amount in between your fingers to hold and you've got that speed that muscle memory memorized suddenly Link's able to hover and you just need to manipulate the directional pad to get him to go where you want. So um, I think it's such a fascinating approach to that, to that glitch that seems like it should be impossible, but you know, humans, humans find a way and, and P train found a way. Yeah. So, for for uh, me, my, yeah. my right hand, I set the base of my wrist on my leg and then it's mm -hmm. almost like turning a doorknob for me. You're just doing it mm -hmm. rapidly. Interesting. So everyone definitely go check out that video. Um, I, th I think this is a, probably a good time to wrap this up. P-Train, I want to thank you again so much for coming on the show and, and helping us uh, with hovering. Um, do you have maybe like a, a Twitch you want to shout out or a Twitter or anything like that before we go? I do not have a Twitter. Um, That's okay. I do have a Twitch, twitch.tv slash P-Train24. 
Unfortunately, P-Train was taken by a currently inactive account. So I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hate when that happens. Um, cool. All right. Well, P-Train again, thank you so much. And um, yeah, feel free to drop back in anytime. Thank you for having me. Okay. All right. I'm back. Thanks for waiting. I, I appreciate that. Hey, no problem, man. Yeah. So it was great, great interview. I'm really, really excited for, for folks to hear that. Mm-hmm. Um, so now we have some wrap up to do. Um, we actually have a few things we need to look at, starting with one fetch question that we got. I actually got this on Saturday. So I'm sort of glad we delayed this a little bit so that we could we could address it. Um, but Herf, this one is from Trip SC2. And uh, I'm going to summarize their email a little bit because they did say at the top, this one's kind of long. Feel free to summarize if you'd like, but I will read some of it. Mm -hmm. Um, I was listening to episode 28 and I respectfully disagree with your opinions on using memes and inside jokes in your casting. My view is that the proper role of casters, in addition to providing context to the run, is to enrich the cast by being entertaining. And they go on to say they have a background in StarCraft II, both casting and watching um, it's a big part of their community, they say, and it uh, doesn't take away from the race. It lets them know more about the community. Um, it's, it causes it to be more tight-knit. Uh, tight um, and then Trip also says that they um, were a little turned off when they read all the rules that are required for randomizer commentating. And uh, even though they kind of made it through the process, decided not to be too involved um, in that because they didn't feel like they had the freedom to you know, use some of the, uh, you know, maybe memes and slang and stuff like that that's developed in the community. Uh, Trip goes on at the end to say, really enjoy the show and look forward to hearing your responses. So, Herf, mm-hmm. keeping in mind, this is a fan of ours that listens to the show and likes us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> what, do you, what, do, what do you think of uh, the email? What are your thoughts? Well, first of all, big shout out to the guy for being involved with StarCraft Two. As uh, I've said a couple times before, I'm a huge fan. I've got a Zerg yeah. tattoo on my left arm and stuff. So, shout outs to that. You're already, you know, already got a big old positive point in my list. Nice. Um, and uh, I, can, I can see where you're coming from. I don't necessarily disagree. I think um, it's it's very subjective, you know, that's kind of the problem. To me, and I think to a lot of other people, memes and inside jokes can be funny, but they also very quickly run the risk of being overused and, you know, losing their charm and their flair when it's just something that replaces your normal vernacular when you're talking about something. One example, for example, being the validation chest, which is, you know, one of the memes that is probably the first meme that caused all this rule stuff more than anything else mm-hmm. and once you start just you know out of habit replacing the moldorm 2 chest with the validation chest is it really still funny or is it just another name that you're giving it and if it legit causes confusion to people that are new to the game uh, he said in his email that it makes for a more tight-knit community, which I can agree with. But at the same time, you know, it's a little bit of a of an edge walk to have either a tight-knit community or an exclusive community where it, mm-hmm. people find it hard to, you know, get into it because it's so inside jokey and meme that if you haven't been part of it for a while already, you kind of feel hard-pressed or find it difficult to, you know, get into the kind of clicky nature of the whole thing i'm not saying that his group of friends or his group of sc2 people is like that but you know you always very quickly run the risk of making people feel excluded or not knowing you know not being in on the joke and then losing interest 
Yeah. That's always my fear. And that's kind of why I landed on it the way I did is exactly what you said. I, I never want to exclude people. And I love this game and this community and I want it to grow as much as possible. And I get concerned um, as someone inside the community that maybe we're being exclusionary by referring to item locations by certain nicknames or saying certain things when something nonsensical happens. And it's like, why did that happen? You, you wouldn't know unless you were part of the community, things like that. Mm-hmm. But um, I will say, you know, to Trip's credit, I, you know, thinking back to when I started watching Randomizer on YouTube back in, you know, late 2017, I think of seeing... Or, you know, hearing commentators, you know, shout out something like, that's gotta be Kane, whenever the player finds the red cane. And, you know, when the when they find the boots, they'll say, what are those? Those are like two common kind of old memes that people would use. Mm-hmm. Um, one from a, a old wrestling video and one from a short like Vine with a dude making, kid making fun of some cop's shoes or something. It's dumb, you know, where they come from, but they just kind of catch on. And thinking of how I responded when I first heard those, I guess I wasn't like, I didn't feel like not included. I was just like, huh, what, like, what was that? You know, and, and found out and someone explained it. And to kind of shore up that gap, something I did eventually was start randoguide.com, which I haven't talked about in a long time, but it's a website that just defines a lot of these memes and key, you know, uh, nicknames and things like that. Mm-hmm. So while being able to identify that, you know, I think they are fun and funny and kind of can create a sense of camaraderie amongst the community, um, I still feel like the best thing you can do is explain them um, because, you know, otherwise you do risk being exclusionary. But I, I will, you know, I, I still probably ultimately do disagree um, with with Trip in this situation, but I will concede that I don't think it needs to be a zero meme policy. I and I do agree with them that the the per, one of the purposes of the commentator is to be entertaining. So if you think you can use memes and be entertaining and not be overly exclusive, I guess go for it, you know? I guess that's fine. Yeah, I think that's another thing I want to quickly address especially as a tournament admin and as like a kind of a commentator admin so to speak. Um, the rules do sound very draconian and we kind of have to do it like that to avoid weird situations where people start arguing about stuff, you know, or where people are like, well, I did this, but this guy did that. So how come I get punished and this guy doesn't and stuff like that? Um, it's, I think it's important to differentiate between someone memeing a lot and making a lot of inside jokes and someone having their own personality as a commentator. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Rules are made to be broken, right? Like you, you have to put them in place uh, because then if somebody does something and it upsets someone, you can say, well, it does say in the rules you weren't supposed to do that. Mm-hmm. But if it says in the rules you can't do something and you do it to the delight of everyone, no one's going to call you out for that, <laughs> you know? So yeah, if, exactly. you think you, if you think you can do it, by all means, go ahead. But do be ready to face the consequences when it doesn't go quite the way you might have hoped. Because there's always someone out there that's very, very aware of the rules, and and will be looking for, mm-hmm. you know, reasons to call people out. And it's unfortunate, but true. So, um, but yeah, g- uh, great question. Thank you so much, Trip, for for writing in. Um, if you would like to send us a fetch question as Trip SC two did, you can do so by emailing us email at gomodepodcast.com. You can also uh, join our Discord and put something in our questions channel there. I'm always happy to have folks joining our Discord. Uh, moving on, a little bit more business to handle. Um, the biweekly seeds have been going great. 
we released a uh, spoiler log seed last uh, the last episode. Had a lot of fun in the community with that. Um, you know, people uh, trying to find the best way to route. Uh, I actually ended up doing uh, for our uh, other week restream that we've been doing a uh, stream sniping race with Oro. Uh, he was a mm-hmm. racer in the Go Mode podcast tournament. And a, active member of our community actually he's going to be my roommate here coming up in a few minutes um but uh, i won't spoil the end of that race but one of us owes the other one a drink and uh the end of that race was particularly interesting kind of funny um so i i think we've got that one up on youtube I'll, i'll try to make sure we have that by the time this episode releases so if you're interested to see how a stream sniping race goes then uh definitely check that one out um and uh of course shout outs to our Restreaming crew, um, headed up by uh, Amarith and Lady Box Thief, Lumaga, Zylo Price, always very active. And we had uh, Raylan Tanker, um, very active in the Francophone community, step up to do some commentary for that one. So shout outs to all those folks. And a special shout out to Lady Box Thief, who has been behind the scenes developing a uh, stream overlay for us for those that is looking real nice so yeah um we'll yeah yeah i've got a chance to see it too it's 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 uh very very nice very happy with uh, how that's turning out and huge shout outs to lbt for doing that for us and looking forward to unveiling that when it's ready um so for this week i was thinking it would be fun uh let's do a open 7-7 defeat ganon kind of the normal settings but what i want to do and, and shout outs to p train for helping me kind of develop this um I'm going to plan just a few of the items. It's going to be a random fill, just like a normal seed. But before the filler does its thing, I'm going to place a few items. All right. The first one, we're going to put the shovel in pre-Moldorm 2. All right. Uh, And then we're going to bury the hookshot. (laughs) So uh, that means you will be able to get all the way up to the top of Ganon's tower without the hookshot. Then, if you need it, you can get the shovel, leave Ganon's tower, go down, dig it up, and then go back and hookshot over the gap. So you can, you know, after after Moldorm too, so you can go to Agatu. Or if you want to spend four or five minutes trying to hover the gap, it's probably going to save you some time in that situation. So this is this is a, a seven, uh, open seven seven defeat Ganon seed with hovering strongly suggested if you're able to do it. <laughs> so that is what uh, you'll have to look forward to. That's our bi-weekly seed. One other thing. Oh, a few other things. Sorry, a couple more notes. I'm going to put the boots in Link's house because you are going to need those, obviously. And we'll give it to you nice and early so you can hopefully have a nice quick seed. Um, and then we're going to further incentivize the hovering by putting the second progressive bow and a sword upgrade in Hookshot Cave. So you know, once, once you finish Turtle Rock, if you feel like you want to go over and get those... They'll be there if you want to hover for them, or you can finish Ganon's tower and hookshot over for them. So, um, what do you think, Herf? Does that sound like fun? No, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not going to play it, so I don't care. That's totally fair. <laughs> I'm looking forward to. I'm going to do lots of hovering practice in my downtime uh, later on this week. I've decided already. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put some of those uh, techniques to use that that P Train was was just sharing with us. I mean, maybe you can get someone to teach you at SG Live. No better place than there. Yeah, exactly. That would be awesome. I would love that. Um, cool. Okay. Well, that's, uh, I think just about going to wrap it up, wrap it up. That's all the business we have. Um, I already shouted out our email and our Twitter. Oh, we're on Twitter at go mode podcast. Um, Herf, are you going to be restreaming anything on your stream from SGL or or anything Um, like that? There might be a live, uh, Jackbox stream 
if we can get it together. We are not sure yet, but that might happen. All right. So be sure to uh, follow twitch.tv slash herfydurfy um, and, and set out, you know, turn those notifications on because you're not going to want to miss that if it goes down. Mm-hmm. Um, you can follow our friend Axe at twitch.tv slash sa underscore Axial. Axial, hope you're doing good. We're going to see you again in the, in the very near future in person. Yep, <laughs> so, yep. Yeah. Um, we're on, uh, we're on, let's see, we're on Spotify. We're on YouTube. You can find us there. Don't forget um, to le- plug your own Twitch, my goat friend. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. Twitch.tv slash Timp underscore. Been doing some uh, uh, updates to my own stream layout and uh, streaming some some new video game music I found recently. So, uh, yeah, come come chill with me if that sounds like something up your alley. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing that would be really nice if you would do is leave us an iTunes review. We are sitting at 28. Um, we did have a new review left from uh, R.D. Walsh V. Uh, and I just want to take a minute to, first of all, say thank you so much to R.D. Walsh for leaving that. Uh, and I also just want to shout them out. They've, they've been following us for a while on Twitter and um, I've seen them around the community doing things. They're, they're a great rando player. Uh, their Twitter is maybe one of the funniest accounts that I follow. It, it kills me. This dude is so funny. Um, so everyone go check out Artie Walsh V. I'm going to link their Twitter, uh, in the episode description, just because I personally think it's funny and I want you guys to check it out. Uh, Artie Walsh was in the challenge cup last year and on, uh, on the challenge page, they changed their username to the Mariah Carey of Rando. And I just thought <laughs> that was so funny. So yeah, everyone go check them out. And, and again, thanks Artie Walsh for the, for the kind words. Um, all right. I think that's it. I think that's it. Uh, anything else, Herf? No, nothing I can think of. Uh, I hope I get to see a couple of you guys at SG Life. Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking, we'll. I, I know I at least so I'm going to try to you know put on like a name tag that has you know the uncle avatar and you know, my <laughs> name. So, so if you if you see me milling about and you recognize me or you think it might be me, please come up and say hey. I would love to love to chat with folks. So. Um, All right, that's going to do it. And uh, Herfy Durfy, I will be seeing you in just a few days in person. Yeah, I can't wait, man. It's going to be good. Awesome. All right, until then, let's go ahead and mirror out. Mm